The 3-2. Grounded off of the shortstop. Everybody's safe. A run scored. Does two? Yes! Wade gets in there. Two-one score. And the Yankees lead 8-5. Hey now, hey now, welcome to season number 11, episode 16 of the Sportscasters podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, coming to you live from Buffalo, New York on August 10th, 2021, as we are getting closer and closer to football season and no further proof of that than the fact that Hard Knocks returns tonight on HBO with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I bailed on Hard Knocks approximately six minutes into the season last year. I knew it was not going to be for me uh, watching players get COVID tests and talk about social justice was not going to be my season. So I bowed out gracefully five minutes into that one. So I'm looking forward to the show. I hope it comes back being what the show is, talking about fringe cuts and learning more about superstar players and falling way too in love with all the Cowboys for fantasy purposes and all that has made Hard Knocks great over the years, and that's back tonight on HBO. Now, on the show today, we're going to continue uh, previewing the football seasons. Uh, Now, this is something we do every year in August. I start to round up people in all areas of sports, sports media, College football, NFL, Saints, Sooners, whatever I'm interested in, in terms of covering uh, the upcoming football seasons. And we already got started with that on the last episode uh, with Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders was on the show, of course. And um, I don't know if that was two episodes ago now. It may have been. But Aaron Schatz kind of got things going. And we looked at the NFL through the lens of the the numbers, the computers, as uh, Dave Damashek used to call them, the evil computers, uh, as Football Outsiders does one million simulations of the NFL season uh, to reach their numbers, and we talk with Aaron Schatz about that, as we do every year, and of course, the Pro Football Almanac is available, and I highly recommend that to anyone uh, who loves football, Uh, so we've already done that, and... uh, We're going to get started here today with all the other stuff. Um, We're going to do some fantasy football today with Michael Fabiano. Uh, We first started having Fabiano on the show uh, to talk with us when he was at the NFL Network. And he comes on every August. Now, giving up time in August for a fantasy football guy is a big deal, right? That's when you're in demand. It's when you're busiest. And Michael Fabiano is always nice enough. Uh, to do this podcast every August. So we're going to speak with him uh, on the show later after the book club. Also on the show today, we're going to start our college football preview uh, with Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. He's another guy, an OG from 2011. And uh, we usually talk to him in August and we preview the college football season. Unfortunately, 
We burned up almost all of our time this year talking about realignment and talking about OU and Texas going to the SEC. So we're going to do another interview with another athletic reporter named Nicole Auerbach, and we're going to preview the fan or the college football season with her. Actually, we got a lot of good interviews scheduled, and let's go over them now. So Fabiano and Mandela on the show today. Jeff Passan uh, is on the show, an interview scheduled with him on Friday. Uh, Nicole Auerbach, uh, interview scheduled with her on Thursday. Uh, Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker podcast, already recorded an interview with him. Uh, Nick Underhill from New Orleans Football, going to talk to him on Friday. And also Vic Carucci um, from Sirius, formerly the Buffalo News, uh, one of the great NFL reporters, uh, will join us sometime as well to preview the football season. So we already got Aaron Schatz. We're going to do Fantasy Today with Fabiano, College Football with Mandel, Saints Football with Underhill, General NFL with Tucker and Carucci. We'll do a little bit Bill-specific with Carucci, too. And we're going to finish up college football with Nicole Auerbach. And then we're also going to do an NFL media interview, too, and lay out where everything is this year in terms of games and what's new and what's different. And we'll do that with Deitch or Marshawn or whoever. I'll schedule that as well. Uh, one thing I want to do before we get into the show today is I want to talk about Michael Thomas for a second. Now, Michael Thomas is someone who I have lost all patience for. I'm at the end of my leash with Michael Thomas. Now, it's amazing because he went from really doing no wrong in 2017, 18, 19, basically almost setting a record every week for most catches to start a career. You know, he was a second-round pick that really hit for the Saints. And someone that I was really happy was on the team, you know, could always count on him on third and four to get six, you know, in the red zone to get a touchdown in. Um, Just a really, really good player the first few years of his career. You know, then Drew Brees got in a little bit of trouble that one day in May of 2020. And the entire football world, including Mike Thomas, turned on him. Um, And Mike Thomas, who had recently become a millionaire thanks to uh, Drew Brees, uh, was right there to throw some dirt. Strike number one from me. Then Mike Thomas got hurt in the first game with an ankle injury. And right when he was about to come back, he sucker punched a teammate and had to be suspended. Strike two from me. And then when he came back, Weeks after that, after injuries started to just pile up out of nowhere and the ankle never healed and he just was, wasn't any good, you know, and his attitude sucked and just really, really tired of Michael Thomas. You know what I mean? Just dealing with him has been exhausting. And then you find out the other day that the ankle injury that he suffered on week one last season isn't healed. And then you say, oh, that's weird. It's not healed because he just got surgery about a month ago. Well, that's weird. Why didn't he get surgery in February? Well, apparently the story goes um, that he went to an appointment. The doctor said he could try to rehab it, see if it would get healed up. 
He was supposed to follow up within a month. He didn't follow up. He ignored calls from the team. He was basically unavailable to the team for the entire summer. And then he showed up at minicamp, obviously still injured. And they told him to get the surgery done. Then, of course, the other day he tweets, you know, something about they smear your reputation, but you're just such a great guy that you don't tell your side of the story because it would ruin theirs. Some cryptic nonsense. You know, essentially his side of the story is that the Saints may have pressured him to not get the surgery during last season to try to make a run with Drew Brees. And that's why he's where he is now. But of course, that ignores the entire offseason. Yeah, the Saints wanted him on the field last season. And when the season ended, they wanted him to fix the injury. Not wait until a month before the season started. And this guy's paid a ton of money. And you know what? You know what? I just want him gone, to be honest. I've had it with Mike Thomas. I don't care about cap implications. I don't care about the, the, the impact on the team. I just want him gone. I just want him gone. I'm fed up with Mike Thomas. He can be someone else's problem. He's a little baby, a little whiner. And I've had it with him. Had it with him. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Stuart Mandel. We're going to talk college football realignment. Also, we do get some season predictions from him, including playoff predictions and a Heisman Trophy prediction as well from Stuart. And then I'll be back here for the book club. And I got the Joe Poznanski book uh, in the mail. And it is massive. We'll discuss that. Uh, then we will do an interview for fantasy football freaks out there with the great Michael Fabiano. Talk some fantasy football. Get everyone ready for their draft. And then I'll be back here with one last thing. So that's the plan for today. Don't forget that this episode will go up as soon as I'm done talking. And it won't be long until a new 24-inch podcast. Dave and I are covering SummerSlam 1988. That will be up this week. And also, Sportscasters podcast all month uh, with interviews from people like Jeff Passan and Nick Underhill, Ross Tucker, Nicole Auerbach, Vic Carucci, and of course, a sports media reporter, which I will schedule soon. Maybe I'll go for Marchand or Deitch, but we shall see. All right, with all that said, let's take a break. We'll be right back with Stuart Mandel. Our first guest today grew up in Ohio and is a graduate of Northwestern University. He's been coming on this program since 2011 when he was a Reported for Sports Illustrated, and then we followed him over to Fox Sports, and now we followed him over to The Athletic, where he's the editor-in-chief of The Athletic's college football uh, work. He's a sportscaster friend and just a great dude who's always been there for us. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Stuart Mandel. What's up, Stuart? How are you doing today? Good, Steve. How are you? Very good. Very good. Welcome back. It's good to have you. This is the 10th year of this podcast and it's a, your first time in the 10th year so and you're Amazing. one and you're one of the guys you've been here right from 2011 right from the beginning so i appreciate you I so believe much so yeah yeah and I've, I've, I've been with you for each job change we've been together for a long time what three or four different jobs different spots do we go back to the last round of realignment oh yeah yep yeah yep and i remember um i remember the joke at first was 
it seemed like you only came on when there was a scandal. <laughs> you know, it was like the yeah. first like four or five times you were on, it was like all for the North Carolina. I think North Carolina maybe had a scandal we talked about in the beginning, and the Sandusky stuff was around then. Yeah, um, yeah. So all that. Yeah, that was a rough time. That was, that was a hectic time. But what we're going through right now is the uh, is the uh, you know has been that and and then some in terms right. of the pace. Well, let's just start. Let's just start with OU in Texas real quick, okay? Because you know I'm an OU guy. Um, I tell you this all the time. When I was a kid, kid down the street, he was a big recruit in the East Coast for, like, Penn State, Syracuse, whatever. But he really wanted to go to OU, so he's a walk-on, and he backed up Jason Belzer for four years, basically. So um, uh, I've been a OU fan ever since then, just because someone I knew down the street was playing there, you know what I mean? Uh, but um, mm-hmm. I will admit, that one day I opened Twitter and I, I don't know if I'm admitting anything makes me like a bad fan or anything, but like one day recently I opened Twitter and it was like, Oh yeah. Oh, you in Texas are probably going to the SEC. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> right? Like, is this a blind side just for me? Or did this blind side the entire college football landscape? Oh, it absolutely blindsided the entire college football okay. landscape. I, I mean, thought. it's one of those things that, it wasn't like it didn't seem as preposterous as it would have a decade ago, because I think after what happened a decade ago, you realize that anything is possible in realignment and certainly involving that conference and those two teams. I think what snuck up on us is, uh, you know, as you're seeing the TV deal that they're locked into with the Big 12 goes for another four years. So I would have I've been saying for years, if there's going to be more realignment, it'll probably be in 2025. But I would not have guessed that the posturing would begin this so this far ahead of time. Right now, there it, it's an absolute certainty that nothing happens before then, right? There's no like buyouts or the Big Twelve says, "Well, we don't want you anymore. Let's just cut you out of here. You're going to be gone anyway." Is this definitely a 2025 thing? Like, help me understand, because I'll be honest, I've kind of stayed a little bit away from it um, to try to kind of let the dust settle and minimize misinformation. But where does everything stand today? Maybe we're being too cynical. Okay. But I don't think any of us believe they'll actually stay for another four years. I okay. think that would be and neither do I. absolutely, mis- yeah, absolutely yeah. miserable for all parties involved. Um, but they do owe a pretty substantial exit fee to, to leave earlier. I mean, the, the, the term grant of rights, which you only ever hear during realignment, um, the Big 12 legally holds their right through them. So if they were to leave early, they wouldn't actually, the money they make from a new conference would belong to the Big 12. So the, there's going to have to be lawyers involved. They're going to have to do some negotiating. Um, it's certainly in the Big 12's best interest to keep them there for as long as possible and give their current members, um, you know, as long as possible to, to be in a, in a true Power 5 conference. But I would think they're going to want to exit early, and it's going to cost a lot of money, but they're also going to gain a lot of money in a new SEC with a new TV deal that starts with ESPN in 2024. I might be wrong about this, but because I'm trying to think back in my head, but when Kansas State upset Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game and then Oklahoma lost to USC, I think that's the same season. Is that the last time someone besides Texas or Oklahoma was the Big 12 champion? Am I missing one or two? Well, there was the Baylor run. The Baylor, um, okay, Baylor. That's right. That's when our when our Bryles was there. So, right. um, OU has won the last six, 
But before that, Baylor had a nice run. TCU had a nice run. Um, Texas actually has not won the Big 12 since 2009. 2009, okay. And that's when they, the quarterback got injured in the national championship. Applewhite, right? Got injured against Alabama. Uh, Col- national- Col- yeah, Cole McCoy. McCoy, injured in the, that's right. In the game, McCoy, yeah. Applewhite's a few, a few years before that, right? I'm just trying to think back off the top of my head. Okay, all right. But, I mean, when you look at that conference, it's – the OU and Texas conference, right? I mean, what's left of it when they're gone? You know, that's what's been so stunning about this is that all those other eight schools are minding their own business, thinking of themselves, rightfully so, power five school. Uh, If I can win the Big 12, I might have a really good shot of going to the playoff. And now all of a sudden they're being told, sorry, you know, you're no different than UCF. You're no different than Houston. Um, And that's really a TV thing. Uh, conference realignment is really all about who can bring the most TV value to their conference. And I did an article for the athletic about a week ago, really diving into those numbers. And it was pretty staggering. Uh, Texas OU, when they play average four to five times more viewers than when those other eight schools play each other or or play a non-conference game, but, but, you know, when they don't play OU in Texas. So um, I think those remaining eight, the challenge now will be, can they all stick together? That's, they're all saying the right things right now, but you know they're all also keeping their eyes out. I'm sure they've all reached out to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, whoever else. But I don't think they're going to get picked up by those conferences. So I think it's either do we stick together at a few schools, try to form the best possible football conference, um, or are those schools themselves going to get poached? And that was the big scandal, if you will, last week. Bob Bolsby, the commissioner of the Big 12, accusing ESPN of colluding with the AAC to try to right. get Big 12 members to leave for the AAC. Wild. <laughs> wow. So Oklahoma, So we're talking about realignment, and Oklahoma and Texas are the big pieces. And then we, we just talked about a little bit about the rest of the um, Big 12. But I remember last time, go around, there was some other dominoes that seemed to fall in other places too. Are any of the other conferences going to get swept up in this in any way? Or is this just going to be the Big 12 and, and the SEC changing? I think it basically depends on whether other conferences panic. You know, there's been a lot of thought in the as soon as this broke, like, okay, well, now the SEC is going to be at 16. We need to get to 16. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, I think that, for instance, the Big 10 could stay exactly as it is and continue to make a ton of money and send teams to the playoff especially a 12-team playoff, they're not in any sort of you know, threat because the SEC is adding OU in Texas. SEC is already the best conference. They already attract the best recruits. But the Big Ten may look at it differently and say, we consider ourselves unequal to the SECs. They have now added two of the most marquee programs in the country. We need to do something ourselves. And if that happens, you know, all hell could break loose. Um, the ACC is under a little bit of pressure because they're locked into a 20-year TV deal at ESPN they, they did when they got the ACC network. Wow. And because of that, the money from that is going to get more and more further and further behind the others uh, with each passing year. And the only way they could blow it up and try to get more money is to add new schools. So will they attempt to do something drastic? That's what I think everybody's been keeping an eye on. Very interesting. You know, I'm just looking back, Stuart, just to clean up a loose end we had. So, Let's start with uh, Stoops comes in in 99, right? And Oklahoma wins their first conference championship in 2000. They win the national championship there that year, too. 
Since then, Colorado in 01. Uh, Kansas State in 03. That was the game I was thinking of where they beat uh, OU, upset them. Texas in 05. Texas in 09. But, oh, Texas and OU, we're talking about both of them. So forget those. You got to go all the way to 011 for Oklahoma State. Then in 12, Kansas State and Oklahoma split it. Then Baylor, Baylor, and TCU. All the rest are Oklahoma or Texas. That's for a 20-year. It's really Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma has has won 14 championships in 21 years, which is amazing. You know, this is one of those moments where realignment really reminds you how little it has to do with on-field accomplishments. Because Texas has done very little. Right, uh, they're brand-driven, right? Yeah, brand-driven. They're brand-driven, you know? And I feel bad because, you know, like you mentioned, that Oklahoma State season with um, Whedon and Blackman, and they had a lot of great seasons under... Mike Gundy, TCU won the Rose Bowl, and they've, 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 you know, they were the first team out of the first year of the playoff. They were the first ones out, them and Baylor. Um, these are good programs. They really are. Yeah. They just don't have that blue blood prestige that OU and Texas do, and that's really what TV networks crave. Well, Oklahoma State's got a ton of cash, right? I mean, they have a, one of the best owners in college football. Can't they make a move here? Uh, to where exactly? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're the college football guy. I guess I'm asking you. I, I just know that a lot of this is money driven. I mean, you would think that, um, you know, they just, I was making a joke there. Obviously they have the best, one of the best owners of college football. That's a rivalry joke, but I mean, I guess they're the next team I think of that might have the ability to force their way into a better spot. But yeah, I guess the answer is simple where, um, I think that of all those schools, the one that probably has the most chance would be West Virginia. Okay. Uh, because location, maybe. I mean, remember West Virginia was in the big East when it was a BCS conference, right? They, they had to, you know, get out of there. The big East was crumbling. So they jumped to the big 12, but it was never their most geographically sensible partner. So there has been some thought that the ACC could be a possibility there. The ACC did not, want West Virginia the last time it went through realignment. Uh, but I maybe not the most recent time, but the, the last time West Virginia would have been available. Um, but times have changed. And if they feel like I said, they have this TV contract, if they feel like they need to just add new members, putting a West Virginia and Cincinnati there, they already have Pitt, uh, would make a lot of sense geographically. Um, you know, I just think of West Virginia's history, uh, major Harris, Pat White, Steve Slayton. I think they're yeah. just a little bit more recognizable of a national brand than any of those other uh, Big 12 schools. Okay, interesting. Let me ask you two more quick ones about this, and then I want to ask you a few you know, preseason type things. Uh, why do this if you're Oklahoma? Is it because if Texas is going, you got to kind of go with them? or I mean, because it seems like they're in a pretty damn good spot. Is it just as simple as money? Like, of course it's that, but like, I don't know. Why not? They just couldn't keep it together. Is that the answer? Like, why? Why go this way? Why do this? The fact, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think Oklahoma was desperate to get out of the Big 12. It always seemed like Texas was. Okay. Um, And I think, I don't know who went first here. You know, if Texas decided they were done no matter what, then OU may have said, we can't stay behind and and be in this, you know, nine-team conference where we're the only big name. But they actually had a meeting that was publicly broadcast on Friday for the, for the vote to join their president gave a pretty nice monologue about all of the changes in college athletics over the last few years and how they affect Oklahoma. 
And I think it just really came down to um, that in that the TV has made it clear recently that the SEC and Big Ten are kind of in a class of their own. Um, they they we say Power Five, it's really Power Two. And I think it was a really humbling moment for the Big Twelve and for OU in Texas in particular when a few months ago the Big Twelve seeing that. They, they saw what SEC and ESPN did. SEC had four years left on a CBS deal, and ESPN went ahead and, and paid to take yeah, it away, basically. They bought it out, yeah. They bought it out, and so they said, okay, we'd like to do that too. I know our deal doesn't end until 2025. We'd like to have the assurance of some long-term stability. Let's start those discussions. And ESPN and Fox said, sorry, no, uh, that's you. not really a high priority for <laughs> <Right>. us. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you in 2025. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it was kind of a sobering moment of where they stood in the pecking order. And so gotcha. I think they decided we want, you know, we we have two of the, you know, the most storied programs in America. We don't play second fiddle to nobody. Uh, we want to be part of one of the one of the two leagues that TV, uh, you know, really uh, cherishes right now. And, and that's certainly those two, the SEC or the Big Ten. Let me ask you this: Where, do, what is this? How does this affect, if at all, the changes that are kind of concurrently going on with the playoff? I think they go hand in hand. I think if there weren't going to be a twelve-team playoff, you might think otherwise about doing this if you're OU in Texas because you're you're just going into a complete uh, snake pit, right? And, and if and, you know you're gonna, I mean, we've, we're seven years into this four-team playoff, and Alabama makes it almost every year. LSU got their one chance. Georgia got their one chance. But for the most part, it's Alabama. If you go in, and and I think Oklahoma is better off in the fourteen playoff because they are the best team in the in that conference, and it's not particularly close usually. And so they've been going to the playoff almost every year themselves. That's not going to happen in the SEC in a fourteen field, but in a twelve team field with six at largest, that SEC, that sixteen team right. SEC, is going to put. Several teams Three, in the playoff every teams. year. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So if you're Texas and OU, you're like, okay, let's let's take OU in particular since they're used to going to the playoff. They're not going to go a, a twelve and one every year anymore. That, that's for sure. Um, but if they could go nine and three and still make the playoff, and I think that that makes it, uh, you know, I think that makes it easier to pull off this move. All right, let me ask you one more Oklahoma center question because I don't care that much about Texas. Someone else can ask you about them. Uh, <laughs> Lincoln Riley has built this up basically to a point where he's getting he's getting the number one or number two or the five-star quarterback he wants every year. You know what I mean? It seems like he's been doing that. Um, and they've already been winning all these games. They're already making the playoffs, like you said. And they're they're they you know they 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 hit rock bottom on defense. But now they're building that up. You know they've had Heisman Trophy winners. You know number one picks. Does the prestige of the SEC lift them to even another recruiting level? Or, because, I mean, I still assume that, like, you know, they're, they're still going to basically recruit the same area, right? But do they, being in the SEC, do they steal an extra kid out of Alabama or out of Georgia once in a while? They, is there a way for this to improve the program? Or, I mean, is the program really built up as high as you could imagine? And now they're just going to go into a bigger pond to compete. Well, Lincoln Riley has established himself as such an offensive and quarterback guru that he can recruit any quarterback he wants. He can recruit any receivers and running backs he wants. Yeah, every lineman, year. you name it. Yeah. But Oklahoma does not 
you know, does not necessarily recruit at the elite level defensively. Some, but if you look at who they've put in the NFL over the last 10 years, you're not going to see a lot of, you know, you're not going to see the first round defensive linemen. Right. Gerald McCoy is like the the outlier. Yeah. Gerald McCoy is the outlier. Yeah. And that was a long time ago now. Right. Yep. So that's where I think SEC branding could help because the big 12 was, you know, rightly or wrongly was known as a, you know, hurry up offense conference. Nobody plays defense. Not necessarily true, but that was the perception. Sure. And so, yeah, if you're a D, a D line, a five star D lineman who wants to go to the NFL, you're probably going to go to Alabama before you go to Oklahoma. You're going to go to Georgia before you go to Oklahoma. So now they can sell playing in the SEC, which produces more NFL D linemen than any other conference. And I think that could help them get in some doors or certainly get some yeses. Um, that they weren't able to before. I don't know that it changes much geographically because they already rely heavily on California, yeah. Texas, Texas yeah. uh, and so on and so forth. Maybe it helps them get into some of the uh, SEC states a little bit more than they do now. But yeah, I mean, I think this could, if done right, it could help them become an, a more complete program, one that doesn't just get to the playoff but can actually win the national championship. Yeah, because I was thinking like if, if, if he's got it to the point where he's getting in the top five right now, of a few five stars that are on in the SEC territory. But in the end, that guy's saying, well, you know what? I want to play in the SEC, though. So I'm going to pick Alabama. I'm going to pick Georgia. Or, you know, maybe even Clemson. I know they're not in the SEC. But, you know, maybe they go that way instead. You know, I'm just thinking, like, well, maybe now, if they're still in that top five and they're in the SEC, maybe that guy says, wow, I can be in Oklahoma. And now I'm in the SEC, too. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being optimistic. But I think that there's maybe an opportunity there. But like you said, and I said even too, that on offense, they're getting the best guys anyway. So not no worry there. But hey, maybe if this helps them on defense, maybe they can go. You know, maybe they can be the number two behind Alabama or compete with Alabama every year or whatever. You know, maybe they can. I don't, I don't see why not. Yeah. They're already one of the strongest programs in the country. Yeah. They already have a great head coach. You know, you saw the effect that being in the SEC has really had for A&M. They've really been able to up their recruiting because of that. Yeah. You know, now it's about having the right coach who they think they they have in Jimbo, but not we're not quite 100% sure yet. Oklahoma has the right coach. Um, they win at a high level. So, yeah, you know, I think, I think you can see them um, becoming, if anybody could become Alabama's rival, it could be them. You can see that more easily than Texas. I'm not saying Texas can't get there. But they've been going about nine and four a year for about a decade. And now they're going into an even tougher conference. Yeah, that that, that whole organization is run by children anyway. Forget them. Uh, the my man here, Stuart Mando, you gotta expect some some Texas digs uh, on the sportscast. <laughs> yeah, you're really getting the digs in there. <laughs> uh, Stuart Mandel is on Twitter, one of the best college football files out there. He's at SL Mandel on Twitter. Find him there, and of course. The Athletic is where you can read his work, and it's some of the best college football stuff in the country. And the what I love is the the stuff that I know you're going to write every week. You know the repeat columns that you do uh, every year. So obviously, you can follow at the Athletic CFB for links on that and subscribe. And I know they're doing deals all the time. And I think it maybe it's over, but there was just recently right now fifty percent. Right yeah, go on yeah. the Athletic fifty percent off. Yeah, fifty percent off. So we burn basically all the time on uh, realignment, but I can ask you one more thing. So I'll do this. I just talked to Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, and you're never going to believe mm-hmm. who the four teams are 
that the supercomputers over there think are going to be in the playoffs. I'm going to guess it's <laughs> is it is it uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. You got it. Four for four. Yeah. Um, which, okay. So so I guess it's the last thing. Since usually what we do in this spot is we talk about the season. We're not going to do that this time because we just burned all the time on realignment, which is fine because it's that big. But you, would you change it at all? Is that your final four? Is there a team you – what's the team you most likely think could change that? Just give me real quick on the playoff, and then I'll let you go. I think that if, if ever it was Georgia's year, and I know we say that a lot, but, I mean, they've got no excuses this year. Alabama lost so much from the 2020 national championship team. Georgia brings almost everybody back plus some of the best transfers in the country. So I would put Georgia in there with Alabama, and I would take Ohio State out. I think Ohio State um, is going to be breaking in a new quarterback. They had some problems on defense in the secondary last year. I don't see that repairing itself overnight. They'll still be very good, as they always are. But that you know, I would keep Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma and add Georgia. Okay. You got a Heisman pick? Uh, you know, that's not as obvious this year. Okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, let's see, off the top of my head, Heisman pick, I was, it's probably going to come from those four teams I just said. I'll go with Spencer Rattler. Spencer. Man, he's he throws a sick ball. I'm really excited to see he some of the throws he's going to make to Mims. Mims an extra year, a little bit more time for those guys. That's gonna. I think it's going to be like Westbrook and, uh, and um, Baker were. You know, where you can count on one. 60-yard play, like, almost every week from those two guys. Yep. So I'm looking forward to it. Stuart, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for being with me for 10 years. I mean, I'd never be able to pull this off without dudes like you being way nicer to me than you need to be. So thank you so much. Anything else you want to plug or mention? No, the athletics the place to go. We also have the Audible podcast, myself and Bruce Feldman. Get that wherever you can get podcasts. And, Steve, just congratulations on a decade. Could have used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on our night moves Trying to make some front page driving news Working on our night moves All right. I want to thank Stuart Mandel for being on the podcast in the sweet, sweet summertime. Thank you, Stuart. All right, book club update real quickly. Uh, in the mail came the new Joe Piznanski book, The Baseball 100. And we will call this a book uh, because, of course, it's being sold as a book. Uh, but we could also call it a self-defense device. Uh, this thing is about 900 pages. 
And I have an advanced reader's edition. The book comes out on September 28th, uh, so a little bit over six weeks away. Uh, but this thing is huge, and the copy that I have of it isn't even its entirety, as there's no index and some other things are missing. Uh, but I've already gotten into it, and it's awesome. I mean, it's basically 100 different essays about 100 different players, Anywhere from Greg Maddox uh, to Ty Cobb, you know, to I'll just open it a random page. Hank Greenberg, Robin Yount. Uh, and there's a hundred of those. And they're written in the classic uh, Joe Piznanski style. And I think it's a book everyone who loves baseball is going to love. Uh, also on the book club, a few other books I want to mention. First of all, I want to mention the Football Outsiders Almanac 2021, the essential guide to the 2021 NFL and college football seasons. We had Aaron Schatz on episode 15 of season 11 to talk about this. Check that out in our archives. Please support Football Outsiders and the Football Outsiders Almanac. Also, out today, yes, today, August 10th, is the release day of a book called Across the River, Life, Death, and Football in an American City by Kent Babb. I have the ebook version of this. I hope to get a hardcover copy and I hope to read it and talk to Kent soon about this book across the river about high school football in New Orleans. I've said a few times now that it sort of reminds me of the SL Price book about El Equipa PA. Uh, COVID Curveball, an inside view of the 2020 Los Angeles Dodgers World Championship season by Tim Neverett. Uh, Tim is a broadcaster for. Los Angeles Dodgers baseball. Talked to Tim on a few occasions. I expect uh, this book to be a part of the book club. It's released on August 31st. If for some reason it's not, I'll let you know. But I still think we're a go uh, with Tim. I also got some news this week uh, that a book that's coming out by an author named Dana O'Neill called The Big East uh, is going to be a part of the book club this fall. It's called... The Big East inside the most entertaining and influential conference in college basketball history. We're talking the old school Big East with Georgetown and Patrick Ewing and St. John's um, with Chris Mullen, you know, in the Madison Square Garden and Syracuse and all that awesome basketball college basketball. And I'm really looking forward to this book. Uh, you guys know I'm not a big basketball guy, but often I love basketball books. And this one seems awesome to me, Dana O'Neill. Talk to the publisher. Going to be getting a copy of this in the mail, which I'll share with you guys, of course. The sportscasters at gmail.com. If you ever want one of the books, I'll always mail them out. Uh, but that's where we're at right now. Working on some other ones, but really the Poznanski book. Kent Babb is kind of up right now, and then Neverett later, assuming that that hits. All right. With all that said, let's take a break. We're going to come right back and talk fantasy football, preview the fantasy football season uh, with my friend Michael Fabiano. And then one last thing is going to be about fantasy football as well tonight. And the topic is, do I like fantasy football? Hmm. We'll find out. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with Michael Fabiano.
Our next guest today is in the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. He's a New York Yankees fan. He's a rock and roll master. An all-around good dude and one of the premier voices of fantasy football. Previously for the NFL Network, now for Sports Illustrated. A warm sportscaster's welcome to our friend, Michael Fabiano. What's up, Michael Fabiano? How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, I guess, the calm before the storm. We had a preseason game, so we're officially underway in 2021. Although I don't know if I would call that much of an NFL game. That was uh, right. more of a... Uh, more of a glorified practice between the Cowboys and the Steelers. But, yeah, ramping up for a uh, draft and uh, the start of the season. All right, let's start with this. Let me ask you this. You're starting a new league this year. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? What do you think the perfect fantasy football league in 2021 should look like? What are the rules? How are you playing? Like, as the game evolved, like, the first year I started, like, in 1993 or whatever, I mean – we didn't do head-to-head. It was like total points. It's like, you know, the game evolves mm-hmm. every year. Where do you think it should be right now? What's the perfect league in your mind in 2021? Well, for me, I'm getting more and more into super flex leagues where quarterbacks have more value. Okay. So I like I like the, you know, start one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, two flexes. One of them can be a quarterback. And – I still include, you know, kickers and defenses. Tight end, of course, is going to be involved as well. Uh, as a traditionalist, I like to keep the kickers and the defense in there because if we don't have kickers, we can't call it football, right? I mean, so uh, I am, uh, uh, I'm still uh, in on the kickers. Okay. And so, you know, you'd have ten starting positions. You'd have anywhere between six to eight benches, uh, reserves, and then at least two injured spots. Because I don't think it's fair that a guy gets hurt for six weeks and you have to keep him on your bench or drop him. That's not fair. Uh, the NFL has an injured list and fantasy football should too. So that would be what I would prefer in terms of the roster. The rules, full point or half point PPR. I like full point PPR, but a lot of people like going with a half, so whatever works. Okay. And I also... I don't, I don't do a lot of bonuses. Um, I do like that players who return kicks and punts, in addition to being a running back or a wide receiver, say like Antonio Brown, you know, right. get those points. So like if, if, if um, you know, they, they bring A.B. back for a punt return he, he, and he goes 75 yards for a touchdown, well, he gets a point for every 25 return yards and he gets the six points for the touchdown. Um, would the Buccaneers defense and special teams get those points? I guess that's based on your preference. I, I would say no. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not into giving double points, double, but, right. um, I, I like, I like players being rewarded for all of their, um, uh, all of their skills, not giving the points to just a random unit. I would actually eliminate special teams altogether and just put it into a defensive unit because outside of punts and kick returns, et cetera, I don't know how much value special teams has unless uh, you incorporate different statistical categories, but yeah, maybe just you know, punt you box, add in other stuff like that. Right. right. But you, you call that you, defense. That's defense. Yeah. Right. So, so you get, you know, field goal blocks or punt blocks, you know, that kind of thing, or, uh, you know, a, a return that would end up being two points. Like those are all in the mix as well. 
I don't put a major emphasis on defense though. I mean, you could, you can give extra points for holding an offense down to a certain amount of points or uh, a certain amount of yardage. I mean, that's certainly part of it gives defenses a little bit more value uh, kickers. I feel like kickers, you should be rewarding them for longer field goals. It shouldn't be three points for every kick. If you, if you want to use fractional points. So if a kicker boots one 39 yards, you get 3.9. If he boots one 61 yards, you get 6.1. I think that's, that's an option unless you want to go anything under 40 gets three under any, uh, anything under 50 gets four, anything under 60 gets five. Right. And then I don't know that you can even customize. You might be able to giving an additional point for anything over 60 yards, but uh, reward the players for, for their performances and and how good they are. Um, I'm not really big on negative points uh, at quarterback outside of, you know, losing points for like a fumble or an interception. There's a lot of leagues out there these days that try and get negative with, um, if you include completions, then uh, incompletions, you would lose some points. Uh, I I don't get that deep into the weeds with it. Right. And then as far as um, some of the rules, certainly I want the commissioner to approve everything. Okay. And I don't want there to be a lead vote. Because that just gets too oh, I totally agree. Complicated. Yep. And people argue. And people vote for the what only way suits that a vote. Right. The yeah. only way that a vote could ever happen in a trade is if it's obvious collusion because someone's trading Kyler Murray for I don't know Zach Noah Wilson. Brown. I mean, it's got to be horrible. It's got to be horrible. Right. And, That's the only way I veto. Obvious collusion. Right. Well, I don't veto. I'll throw it to the league. Okay. And I'll be like, all right, this trade seems a little fishy. Or if a wife and a husband are making a trade and it doesn't make any sense, um, I think that's something that, you know, or, or like two best friends. And, and, it, and it's like 100% one-sided. Right, your brother. You no, know, then as or a commissioner, you have to make a call on it. But you should never be, and you shouldn't be playing in leagues with people that do that. So there should be totally agree. Like if somebody does that, I'm like, dude, you're out. Like next year, you're done. Yep. Like I'm not dealing with that. So I would say that know who you're playing with, and if that kind of foolishness goes on and you allow it, then your league's not going to be running uh, at its optimal level. Let's put it that way. And so. Snake draft or you auction? Should also redraft. I, redraft. Auctions, I'm in so many leagues, auctions take too long. Yeah, they do. They're fun. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They take too long. And they're much more fun in person. And you know, oh, maybe yeah. you can't get in. Uh, yep. You, maybe you can't get together with everybody. I, I much prefer traditional uh, snake drafts. And, you know, a, a lot of people uh, like fab budgets. Um, I'll play in one or two leagues that have that. I don't have time to go through 15 or 16 leagues and do bids on all of them. It's too much. Right. So you like straight um, up waivers. I, I prefer, right. I prefer right. Traditional waivers um, without question. And I guess also um, as you're, as you're, you know, looking at the rules of the league, I, I don't think there should be maxes on trades. I don't think there should be maxes on, player moves like the more 
the more involved people are, I think the better. And uh, I, I would, I would also be as the commissioner keeping tabs on the folks who don't set their lineups. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a horrible one horrible part of fantasy sports when you're in a league where people either are not um, setting their lineups or they're not responding to trade offers. Inexcusable in the cell phone era. You know what I mean? It takes one second on your cell phone. Anywhere in the world you can do it. Yep. Inexcusable now. Right. Right. So those are other things where I would maybe try to weed out some people who are uh, in my league because I'm not really, you know, thrilled with the fact that they're not invested. It's, it's something that's supposed to be fun, and there's a, there's an investment there that you have to make. So, th- those are those are some of the rules. Um, I would play also one other thing that I think is very important is fantasy football involves a lot of luck, oh, yeah. and anybody who tells you opposite is lying. Um, is skill involved? Hell yeah, absolutely, no question. But there's a little bit of luck involved. Okay, so. The way that you eliminate some of that luck, uh, and you can't eliminate it all, it's just a part of fantasy football, is that if you have six teams make the playoffs, you can go in one of two directions. First, the number one team is the number one team in the standings at the end of the year. The number two team is the next team with the most points. Then the third team is the second team that finished in the standings behind the first team. Uh, if that team is the same as the one that had the most points, then you'd go down to the next team. Right. And so it's a mix of how you finish in the standings, how many points you score. What is the point of fantasy football? Scoring a lot of points, right? And so you shouldn't be... Do you like giving money for that? On. Top scorer gets some money for the year? Like, you know, do you like that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. It, it, right. If you're playing for 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 money, I think most points and the winner of the winner of the regular season right. should get oh, okay. should get should get money. Another another way to go is if you have six teams in the playoffs, top five are based on the standings. One, two, three, four, five. Gotcha. Six most points is the highest scoring team out of the rest of the teams. Like so if that. the highest scoring team out of the rest of the teams finished ninth, well, guess what? The team that finished sixth is out. So I like that. I like I like those um, parameters as well. Do you um, like are, Do you like adding are, games like versus the league median or anything like that? Like playing two games a week, you know, one versus the had to had and one versus like I've. I don't do that. Um, I don't know how many platforms out there would support, support that. It. There to are be quite some. Honest with you, yeah, I know. So, yeah, Sleeper I'm does. sure there are. I'm yeah. sure there are some. I just, it's not my. It's never been my thing. Okay. So uh, no, I, I don't. I don't do that. Uh, you know, I play. I play one team every week, like the NFL plays one team every week. Gotcha. What site would you use? Um, I'm moving almost everything to Yahoo this year. Okay. Um. I will no longer use the NFL's platform for obvious reasons. Yeah, F them. Um, They're out. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I, and I, I think a lot of people would agree with me. I don't think the, it's not that the platform anyway. yeah. um, is is among the elite, let's put it that way, um, content or or product. The product's good, but it's it's not it's not among the best. And, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons, I, I, I prefer not to use that, that platform. Uh, I am on ESPN. 
uh, I play baseball on ESPN. I have a few football leagues on ESPN, but ESPN's not perfect either. I guess no platform's perfect, but right. I don't like what ESPN did with Taysom Hill last year. Uh, yeah, I didn't know where his eligibility yeah. when they had given it to him. That rubbed me the wrong way. And I love the guys that work there for the most part. Um, Mike Clay is amazing. Tristan Cockrock is amazing. They have really super talented people there. Um, but but they don't make the like platform that. either. You know what I mean? So right, no, but but I mean like right the, that the decision sure. on yeah on position eligibility for me. If you have a dude that is, and it's it, this is how baseball works, right? So here's an example. Um, because I'm a Yankees fan, Glaber Torres supposed to be a second baseman. Uh, he played second base for whatever number of games made him eligible to play as a second baseman on a platform. I'll use the SPN as an example. So he should be eligible at second base, correct? We know he's going to be a second baseman. Yeah. When the Yankees move him to shortstop, say they, you know, say a team moves a player to a different position halfway through the season, and a platform says, all right, eligibility requirements are that this player has to have played this many games at a position to be eligible, then that should be what happens. So Glaber in that case would have been eligible at second base and shortstop. Right now, ESPN, based on whatever uh, statistics that they used, determined that Taysom Hill was eligible at tight end. Okay, and whether that was a mistake or not, I don't know. The Saints, I believe, never listed him as a tight end, but I could be wrong. I watched every I think play. He was a I'm a huge Saints fan. I don't know if you know that, but. Uh... He was not a tight end. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was right. not, and the, he was. He never sat in a meeting. He never, you know, was on the depth chart. So, yeah. So if if a te- if an NFL team is is listing a player at a position, who you know how how is it okay for a platform to say, well, no, I, I don't care what you say, team that employs player X, we're going to make him this. Like, okay, well, if you made that decision, then you got to stick by it. Right. And you can't take away eligibility when a player Switches. has already met the requirements of that position's eligibility to begin the season with. So I agree. I didn't like that, and that's why like, I still have teams on ESPN, but I'm getting everything, for the most part, over to, over to Yahoo. Um, so – Yahoo is where I play right now, uh, most of my leagues, and um, that's uh, that's probably. Where else, I mean, I'm in other leagues, you know, like I play on my fantasy league. Yeah, which is really good. Um, it's I'd just say, ugly. <laughs> it's really good. It has a lot of great customization my options. It works well. Yeah, it's just convoluted as hell. It is. Yep. I mean, and it's it ugly. Really is, and it's ugly. So, and I mean, like, I played on fan tracks last year. It was okay, but they had issues with their scoring. Um, you know, listen. Uh, there's pros and cons to every sure. every uh, and there's a lot of options. Every now. site, but yeah, right. But for for me, um, I've never run into really any issues with Yahoo. Okay, uh, and and I'm moving a lot of stuff over to Yahoo. I'm actually my celebrity league. I'm moving over to Yahoo, and I hope people will keep tabs on the celebrity league this year. Sure, uh, Sling TV is going to be sponsoring it, uh, and there's going to be ten thousand dollars up for grab for charity. Wow, uh, thanks to Sling TV, which is going to be great. Uh, Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm is joining the league this year. Uh, Eric Dane um, from Grey's Anatomy and Euphoria is joining the league this year, uh, in addition to all the other great celebrities uh, that, that I've had in the past. So, right, like the Alice uh, guys in fun. it. The draft is... What's that? Are the yeah, Al- yeah, Jerry yeah. and Mike are in it. Yeah. 
Um, Miz is in it. Seth Rollins is in it. Adam Wainwright that's awesome. uh, is in it as well. That's we, a legit. We, that's got, a legit uh, celeb league. Yeah, we we've got a few a few spots still up for grabs. Um, David Boreanaz is is uh, also in the league. Jerry O'Connell is in the league. So it's going to be fun. Mike Inez is the defending champion. Um, but uh, hopefully, people will be paying attention to that league because it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And I've always wanted a charity component. Now I have it. Um, I love playing for charity. Also going to be playing for charity with some uh, uh, NFFC um, uh, Jimmy V Foundation um, leagues with Miz. Uh, and then uh, Rode and Kofi Kingston, so that'll be uh, that'll be fun too. Awesome! All right, got twelve minutes left. Let me hit you with a few more, and I'll give you some more time to yeah. plug too at the end. Um, it's draft season. What should I be doing to prepare? How do you prepare yourself to be in the best position to draft and be successful at the draft? Mock drafts. Okay. Um. Go to SI.com slash fantasy. Listen to Sirius XM uh, for sure. Playing best ball. Best ball is fun, man. I mean, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the lazy way to play fantasy, but right. it's fun, right? You don't yeah. have to run your team. You get a, you get a few you get on there. Drafting and it means yeah. something because you got to play for a few bucks. Sure. So <clears throat> um, that would be – also, like, everyone does rankings. I do rankings. Yep. Everybody does rankings. Compile your own list. Like, I mean, I've been doing this for a long, long time. I promise you, no fantasy analyst is perfect. Nobody. And it's your team, right? So if you if you think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a top five running back this season, then go draft him, you know, in the first round. If you think that Tua Tungvaloa is going to have a breakout season in Miami, well, then, you know, rank them a little bit higher than, than some other folks. I think people have to go in and be like, all right, I like analyst X, but I'll mix things around in terms of my likes, right. you know, because everybody's different. Some people don't think Zeke Elliott's worth a top five pick. I do, but ultimately it's your team. So make sure that you are, um, you are putting your stamp on the roster. Uh, and, and, don't auto draft. I mean, I guess if you have to, like I won't auto draft uh, that, you know, people have invited me to leagues and the leagues are during my show and they're like, well, you can auto draft. Uh, no, I can't. Yeah. I don't auto draft. Yeah, um, that this, this team is not going to have my name on it when I didn't do a damn thing to draft it. So sure. Um, you have a reputation. But, yeah. I mean, it, beyond just, my, it's no right. fun, but you have a, you have, your name means something. Do mock drafts and, uh, you know, read up if you don't pay attention during the off season to the off season moves and depth chart changes and that kind of thing, you know, go, you know, hopefully you know that Julio Jones doesn't play for Atlanta anymore, you know, right. or that. And our lads uh, is very you know, good Carson for that Wentz stuff. Is not with the Eagles anymore. And, you know, like, or, or that Deshaun Watson may not play a snap this year. You got to know these things, right? You got to be educated at some level. Absolutely. All right. It's obligatory. I know, but I got to do it or I'll be an idiot. Give me a few names. Let's do it this way. Instead of sleepers, uh, you know, um, boss, just give me a few. Let's start with this. Give me a few guys you're higher on than the consensus. Uh, I, I, I I can't even say Najee Harris because everybody's on him, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was good I, to I, see him last I, night, too. I, I really like J.K. Dobbins, I think, more than a lot of people. Okay. Um, 
because, the, you know, there's fear. They got that Edwards is there. They drafted, you know, a couple of wide receivers. They brought in Sammy Watkins. I just think J.K.'s a playmaker. So I, I'd say I might be a little bit higher on him than most. Maybe I'm a little bit higher on Jamar Chase. Uh, I have him ranked 20th at wide receiver, although I really don't like the fact that um, the, the, you know, the, the, the uh, reports out of Cincinnati right now are not all that glowing about Joe Burrow. Uh, maybe having some confidence issues with the knee, but still like right. him. You know, I, I think I'm probably a little bit higher on Jamal Williams than some people. I think he can, I think he can end up being a 50-50 split with DeAndre Swift. I really do. Uh, I like Irv Smith Jr. quite a bit. Uh, you're hearing good things about him. If you want to go a little bit deeper, I mean, Adam Troutman is somebody that I really like as, as a late-round player. Uh, a lot of folks don't love Henry Ruggs, and I don't say I love Henry Ruggs, I mean, the Raiders have to make, uh, you know, uh, they have to make him a priority in this offense or they're going to look stupid. Right. Because they drafted him first among wide receivers right. last year. With good Justin wide receivers. Jefferson and C.D. Lamb. Right. And everybody else was on the board. Iuke, like all of them. Yep. And, I mean, you know, people people a year ago were comparing him to Tyreek Hill. Now he sucks. So, like, I, 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 don't, I don't think he's going to break out, but I think he's certainly worth taking late and seeing what happens. Uh, yeah, like I said, Troutman is somebody that uh, you know I think is is worthwhile uh, for sure. Late draft, I think Sam Darnold might be better than expectations. Um, you know, the Jets did him no favors with weapons. They did him no favors with coaching. Now he's got Joe Brady. Now he's got Christian McCaffrey. His pal Robbie Anderson. He's got DJ Moore. They drafted Terrace Marshall. So you know, this is the best spot that Darnold's ever have. To, to succeed at the next sure, level. Sure, yeah. All right, who are some guys you're you're staying away from? So I never say never. Right, okay? of course, value, of course. Because if I can get a guy at a place in a draft where I think, all right, he's worth the risk here, I'll take him. Right. Okay? Uh, well, I'll never draft Jared Goff, just not a fan. Okay. But I'm avoiding DeAndre Swift. I, I, don't, I don't like the situation. But if he falls in the fourth round, I'll take him. Sure. Uh, I'm avoiding David Montgomery. If he falls to me in the fourth round, I'll take him. I don't like Josh Jacobs much with the addition of Ken Kenyon Drake. But if there's a spot in the draft where he falls to me and he's my flex, I'll take it. Right. So uh, Kenny Galladay, and he's already hurt for crying out loud. But <laughs> if I can get him as a wide receiver three in the sixth round, I'll take it. Right. I never say never with anybody. Like what I do is. Okay, DeAndre Swift is never going to be my running back one. David Montgomery, even though he was the four last year, will not be my running back one. Josh Jacobs will not be my running back two. James Robinson will not be my one or two. Kenny Galladay won't be my one or two. I really don't want any of Will Fuller, but if I can get him as a wide receiver four, okay. Odo Beckham Jr. will not be my one or two. Yep. If I can get him as a three, okay, I'll take a chance on him. Um, you know, Michael Thomas, same kind of thing with the injury. I, I don't want him as a one or a two. Hell, I don't even know if I want him as a three. But if I could get him, if he falls to the eighth, ninth rounds, okay, then, you know, I'll take a chance on him. You know, Robert Tunyon, I don't really want him as my tight end one because I think regression is coming. But if he's, if I haven't drafted a tight end and we're in the 11th round and he's still there, then I'll take him. You know, I never, I never really say never. Like, no, there's no way in hell I'm not. If a dude, because I'm not always right. No one's always right. So, if a guy falls to a spot where I feel comfortable drafting him, even though I'm not really big on him, uh, I, I'm not adverse to to taking that chance. Smart. I wanted to say this about Troutman, too, as you mentioned him a few times. 
He had two surgeries in the offseason. One was planned to get a cyst removed in his back, and the other one was an appendicitis. So anything you've heard up to this point, and we're recording on um, Friday, August 6th, don't worry about that because they were going real slow. Like today was the day I heard that they're going to finally ramp him up, and I think he's going to be a huge part right. of the offense. So um, I know I'd seen a couple tweets and stuff that he was starting slow in camp, but that was by design for a guy who had just had an appendicitis not too long ago. So. Yeah, just yep. wanted to mention that since we mentioned him a few times. All right, uh, Fabs, yeah. I always love doing this with you, and you're so kind to me. So I want to make sure I give some of the time to you to make sure everybody knows where they can find you this year, what you're going to be writing, where you're going to be talking, all those things. So lay it all out for everybody. All right, so obviously uh, si.com slash fantasy, where you can find the original stardom and sit Do not go uh, to that other website where they have some – clown writing it right now because it's pretty terrible um when darren waller is uh someone they tell you to start every week it's probably not worth your time uh to check out that article um but si.com slash fantasy will have the original stardom and sit uh, every single week for 17 uh games yeah, this 17. season yep. which is uh which is uh, a lot of fun um serious xm fantasy sports radio monday through friday 8 p.m to 10 p.m uh with myself Lindsay rhodes Bob Harris, Mike Dempsey, uh, Amber Theo Harris is also going to be joining the show uh, in the middle of the month. So I'm excited about that. Another former colleague from NFL Network. Um, I'm also going to be doing a show with Amber on Westwood One. That will start later in August. So make sure uh, you're checking that out as well. Uh, The fantasy football forecast on Westwood One. I'm also going to be doing some stuff for Sling TV this season. So uh, I'll be everywhere. I'll be on social media. Uh, you can hit me up on Cameo as well if you want me to pull your draft order. I'm getting a lot of requests for that. So oh, that's um, cool. That's a good uh, idea. Yeah, it's fun, man. Yeah, it's, like it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing it. So uh, those are the places that you're going to be able to find me. I'll be all over the place. And uh, as always, I really appreciate everybody out there support. Uh, and I am here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to help you compete and win a fantasy football championship. And, uh, hopefully I've been doing that for the last two plus decades, man. Time flies. Well, Michael Fabiano's in the football hall, the, the uh, fantasy football hall of fame. It's not for no reason. It's because he's the best out there and he's super kind to me. I mean, a fantasy football guy's time in August is ridiculous. And he gives me a half an hour every year. He doesn't have to do that. And you're one of the main, you're one of the reasons, Michael, people like you and your kindness that I made it 10 years. So I just have to really thank you. Tell well, you how much I appreciate you. And I, yeah. and I read your story as well. Um, and uh, I'll totally wish and hope for the best for you uh, with your health. Thank you. Um, as someone who's as someone who's had, you know, and goes through some health stuff myself, uh, I know how it is. And so um, hopefully you're feeling good. Hopefully everyone, uh, you know, your family, friends, everyone is good. And um, it's always a pleasure to come on and do the show. All right, man. Keep rocking, buddy. You too. Take care. thank michael fabiano and Stuart mandel for being on the podcast today don't forget you can find today's episode of the show 
and all episodes in our archives on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find me on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com. Don't forget about my side project with Dave Rollins, a 24-inch podcast. Myself, Dave Rollins, and the beautiful Paula Bennett on that one at the number two, the number four-inch podcast on Twitter, 24inchpodcast at gmail.com, and check out our Facebook group uh, by searching 24-inch podcast on Facebook. You'll find the group, ask to be accepted, we'll accept you, and we got great fun in there. Talk about episodes of the show, post some cool memes about Hulk Hogan and wrestling, and it's a really great community we're building over there, and I'm really excited about the 24-inch podcast. Our next episode this week is on SummerSlam 1988, one of those comfort food shows for me in wrestling. I love to watch it, brother. All right. Don't forget about greetings from Allentown at GF Allentown Pod. Peter Winson, one of the great wrestling podcasts, bi-weekly now. Uh, but still weekly is uh, the Greetings from Allentown Live with Keithy. Um, Thursdays for new episodes of Greetings from Allentown. And the Keithy ones are usually on the weekend. Is usually the best time to find those. And I love Peter. I love his shows. I love when he's schooling me on some kind of 80s wrestling. You know, whether it be an old territory or... You know, whatever he's talking about, he's schooling me because he's got a brain that works in a way mine doesn't. And I appreciate that about him. Uh, And I love, you know, just hearing whatever he's talking about. Uh, And recently him and Keithy did a show on November of 1991, WCW Worldwide, the Bobby Eaton heel turn, uh, which they did in honor of beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um, who passed away, rest in peace to him. The last episode of Greetings from Allentown proper uh, was July 15th when he did a January of 85 world-class championship wrestling show, uh, which is Ric Flair versus Terry Gordy. So hopefully there'll be a new Greetings from Allentown soon. Uh, And in the meantime, Greetings from Allentown Live with Keithy can always hold you over and keep you interested. I also wanted to give a shout out quickly to some friends of mine from Philadelphia. Uh, the Bigger Than the Game podcast, hosted by Jeremy Dove and Jose Ruiz. Uh, join them as they connect the past to the present in the world of sports. Uh, and they have an episode coming out soon um, on Warren Moon. So that should be awesome. Uh, I once wrote an article about Warren Moon for Pro Player Insiders that I thought turned out really well. Always fascinated with his career, which, of course, started uh, in the Pac-12, I believe, for Washington. And then the CFL before finally playing in some pretty big playoff games for the Houston Oilers in Buffalo, including being the losing QB on the uh, the greatest comeback game, led by Frank Reich and Andre Reid, who had three touchdowns uh, in that game. All right, one last thing for me tonight, and it's a question, really. And it's a question to myself. Do I really enjoy fantasy football? Now, I've been a player for a long time. I mean, I started playing fantasy football around the seventh grade, maybe the eighth grade, 1992, 1993. I remember my first pick was Emmett Smith. 
I had the first overall pick and was debating between Emmett Smith and Jerry Rice, but picked Emmett Smith because he was a running back. And then he held out for two weeks, and I was losing my mind, and I thought I ruined the season. Uh, but then he came back, and he was he lived up to the to the billing as number one pick. But just because you've been doing something for a long time doesn't mean you love it. And and fantasy football is one of those things that I love less and less every year. I think um, it's always been a balance. How many leagues do you play in? What are the rules of the league? How much does the league cost? You know, I love, here's what I've always said about fantasy football is I love it the most in August. You know, when August comes around and I start doing mock drafts on my phone and I start thinking about drafts and planning drafts, that's when I'm my happiest with fantasy football. I love to go to a draft in person and be with my buddies and eat pizza and crack jokes. That's the best. But as the years have gone on, less and less drafts are in person. People are too busy. People don't want to get together. People are scared of COVID. Whatever the reason is, and more and more are online or on Zoom, and just that, it's not fun to me. You know, that's it, it, it. Right away, you take out the thing I love the most, and that's getting together and eating the pizza and being with your friends. So I love drafting, and if that's all it was, I would play fantasy football forever. And I would do 30 leagues. Uh, But then I just, as the season goes on, and injuries start to happen, and the luck that's involved in fantasy football, as soon as you lose a game by a point, you know, or leave a guy on the bench who scores 54 points, or you lose a game because your opponent has a guy who gets six touchdowns, 200 yards rushing, and scores 75 points and the rest of his team scores 20 and you still lose. You know, or when you're playing, I wake up for a Saints game and they're playing Atlanta and not only do I hate Atlanta, but the other guy's got Calvin Wrigley and he scores three to judge. It's just like the aggravation of fantasy football just builds and builds and builds. You know, and then it becomes about the money. Either winning the money or paying the money and the stress of all that. And and sometimes I've won large amounts. Uh, the laptop that's recording this podcast was purchased on the winnings of, uh, of a fantasy football league. A league that I stepped away from this year. You know, it was a league I was in a long time. My most expensive league. But year after year, I was saying this league is I pay the most to be in it and I have the least fun. And I realized I was staying in it for the, for the wrong reasons. I was staying in that league uh, to be friends with people, to keep them in my life, even though they didn't want me in their life the other 364 days of it. And I was holding on to these friendships that were from when the league started, uh, when these people were a part of my life all the time. And it was just the wrong reason to be in it. And I called the commissioner up and I said you know what I'm out and he he didn't care he didn't give a shit you know and it was just confirmation to me that I made the right decision that I was in that league for the wrong reason because those aren't aren't my friends anymore really some of them are people I'll care about forever but they're you know they're not my friends anymore not the, not not what I not in the way that I was holding on to Um, so I just been thinking about it. Do I love fantasy football? No, I don't love it. 
Do I like fantasy football? Well, I like to draft. I like to plan for the draft. And then it, and then that's it. I don't like anything else. I don't like arguing with people during the season. I have an, 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 a dynasty league with a friend of mine. We created the league. And last year was just an argument all season. And I'm like, you know, I'm 40 years old with a kid. I don't want to argue about fantasy football with other 40-year-olds anymore. This was fun when I was 20, but it's not fun at 40. I just want to have fun. And if I'm not having fun, eh. I got this one friend. I care about the guy. He's a good friend. He's only interested in talking to me during fantasy football season. And call me for advice. Rest of the year, I don't hear from him. Yeah, Not a great friend. But, you know, there is a perfect storm, you know. A league with friends that we get together no matter what for the draft every summer. And we eat the pizza and we have the beers and then we go and we just have fun all year. And it's busting balls or it's jokes, but it's never anything more than that. And it's for money, but nobody's stressed about paying it. And you win money and it's a good amount of money, but, you know, again, it it's not about that. It's just about having fun with your friends. I mean, when I wake up every Sunday, the number one thing that matters to me is the Saints. And it will always be that. It's not fantasy football, you know, and it's why I don't really bet football. I have so much invested in the Saints already. I don't have any equity left to give, any sweat equity to give to to gambling. I just don't. So I think fantasy football has fallen in that section. You know, I like to play it, especially in August. Uh, but then it just gets less and less exciting as every day passes. I do like the other kind of things out there, the uh, pick'em pools and survivors. I'm all for those. Love doing that kind of thing. Love being in a pool, a wins pool or survivor or whatever. I'll do those forever. Yeah, but fantasy's not not for me as it used to be. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget 24 inch podcast later this week on SummerSlam 1988. Interviews on this show with Jeff Passan, Nick Underhill, Nicole Auerbach, Ross Tucker, and Vic Carucci coming up. Hard knocks tonight on HBO. I'll talk about it on the next episode, what I thought. Football's almost here, baby. <laughs> 